the school trip and that kind of thing and the offering to Dave, we made that transition. So see if you have questions on, on any of that line, why well, talk to Dave on it there. Amen to what was shared. I find myself not done listening to Ben and not done listening to Dan. And I just was blessed by being here this morning and I appreciated the, the thoughts that were shared and the challenges that we got out of that Bible uh, those verses that we studied. So I also want to thank uh, whoever was all in charge of getting the husbands to cook. And I thought it might be a challenge to keep your attention this morning just for the little fact that I know how that is. It's like if a guy, if a, if a boy is getting a new bike, that's about all you can think of. And so now you've got a dish setting back there. And uh, so I, I'll need your attention for just a little bit there. Uh, and the dishes look pretty good. I was kind of impressed. But I had to think of um, Zig Ziglar's quote. When you see a turtle up on a post, you know he had help getting there. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's, ladies, let's not ask that question. It's, it's a little bit like if we'd asked, how much do you weigh? <laughs> that's, that's none of our business unless you put it on the church email, then, <laughs> then we'll, uh, look at that, but, um, we're going to, I was going to speak about mothers the whole morning, and I switched gears a little bit, but we're going to start in that direction just a little bit. The Bible says one of the Ten Commandments are that we're to honor our mother here on earth. And uh, it comes with a promise so that things go well with us. And uh, we realize what moms mean to us. Uh, and I'll give you a chance. We'll have a mic We'll pass around and I'll give you a chance in a minute if you'd like to give a fond memory of your mom or uh, something you appreciate about your mom. Moms have a certain way of... I was with some of my grandchildren a little while ago and we were coming into the room and then the mom said to one of her children, what? And there was no questions asked. There's, it seems like moms have a way of knowing how to answer the unasked questions in our lives there. And as a boy growing up, one of the things that I appreciated about mom is that she was sensitive to the needs. So one time we were together, and as a 15-year-old boy, 14, 15, we were together at a place, and I think I shared this uh, incident, but we, we had a silo and my parents were gone for the whole day and I was at a friend's place. And there was a long rope and we let it down and some one of us would grab a hold right at the base of the silo and the other four or five would tug it and it would send you 20 feet in the air and you'd hold on to it and it would take you up that fast that your feet would go up. But you'd just hold on to the rope and they'd let you slow, they'd let you down slow to the base of the silo. Which worked really good, except for the time towards the end of the day that it tore. 
and the guys went sprawling, and when it tore, it was stretched out so my feet were up in the air, and I came down like that there, and broke both of my arms, one in uh, one place and another in two places. And as a 14-year-old boy, you act tough, say, no, I'm good. And his mom came out and said, are you okay? And I was kind of half crying. I said, tell her we're okay. Tell her we're okay. (laughs) So then they took me to the hospital and they got a hold of my parents. And they had to put, they thought it would be good if I'd sleep because it was crooked and they were going to have to work at it a little bit. And when I woke up, I looked into my mom's eyes and she said, Claire, how are you doing? And uh, those are the times that you realize what a mom means to you there. Uh, when they're there, when you have those type of times. So, uh, do we have a mic that we can uh, pass around? And uh, it, Raise your hand if you want to share, uh, and somebody will get you a mic there. There we go. And thinking of... My mom, and um, just trying to think of one fond memory of her was was really hard. Mom was one of these people who you never questioned that she cared for you, and she cared for you spiritually very much. Hmm. Um, one thing that's precious to me is just a few years ago she gave me a devotional book, and it was a book for uh, a devotional for every day of that year. But needless to say, I don't think I'll ever get rid of that book. That's a, that's a precious book. One other memory of Mama is when I was in my early 20s, a cousin and I went into a partnership and we had our own, our own farm. And I'd often come home late at night after supper, after dishes and everything was done. And Mama always had food ready for me. I'll never forget yep. that summer. Amen. Takes special meeting when you went through what you did there with the family. Here there's one. Lester, there's somebody else back there has another mic. Go ahead there. My mom has sat by my side countless hours during my surgeries and recoveries and, and all of my medical history. Hmm. Not only that, she takes time to listen to my heart when I'm hurting, and she has solid advice to give me, and I just want to bless my mom today. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Amen. Lester. As a teenager, we had a walk in the basement to the house, and then we'd go upstairs from there. And I knew my mom was a praying mother. And I walked in there one day, and I heard her talking. And I discovered she was praying, and Mm. she was specifically praying for me. And I really wonder whether Mm. I would be here today without that. And it's a pretty wayward tendency. I'll never forget that. Amen. Someone up here then. Go ahead, Patrick. I really do struggle with appreciating my mom in the day-to-day life. just seems normal all they do, but... One of the things I've enjoyed seeing over the last little bit is I really enjoy having Hunter and Sky over at our house, but I really can. 
I can get a little relaxed sometimes and just let them go off and do their own thing. And it's been so cool to watch how much mom spends time with Sky. Um, she'll sacrifice Sunday afternoon naps to bake with him. And it's just fun to hear them talk and move around in the kitchen. Um, a side of pers- Sky's personality comes out when he's baking and um, that you don't see all the time. And it's just fun to watch. He is talented in baking and uh, mom is so... Um, pays close attention to his quirks and the things he needs, and it's just really cool to watch, and we get baked stuff out of it, but um, it's just really encouraging to watch her gentleness and time that she takes with him. Shannon? Uh, Growing up with three brothers, um, there's many times where we should have died and didn't. Uh, I don't know how, but we made it through. Uh, Dad would let us into a shop, and we'd create things um, with scraps of metal, and we'd use our bad welding. Uh, we called it chicken scratch because it was barely holding together. My first bike was something we built. It had a big front wheel and a small back one, so that thing was awesome. I don't know what happened to it, but it made me cry when it left. Um, yeah, many of those inventions should have killed us, um, and our mother knew it, uh, but she didn't want to discourage us, so she allowed us to do it, but she said, I'm going to pray that it breaks and doesn't hurt you, and uh, we said, we are going to pray that it works. <laughs> Somehow she always won. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mother is a very prayer warrior. She's a very good prayer warrior, which has kept us four brothers alive throughout the year. And I am incredibly grateful. Um, when, we grew, when we grew a little older, we were in the youth. And we'd come home from the youth, and Mom was always sitting there by the, in the corner somewhere in the chair. And we'd try to sneak in and go to bed without disturbing her and Dad. And she would always be there. She would mm-hmm. always be there. And we'd come walking in, and... She would say, how did it go, guys? Then we'd sit down and we'd talk about our victories and defeats Mm -hmm. and what was going through her mind. She always had time for us. Today, our lives have changed in many, many ways. Our lives are still put together by chicken scratch welds and good old-fashioned luck. But... Mom's always there to talk when it falls apart. Try to put us back together again. (laughs) She always knows the right person to go talk to. She might know the answers for us directly, but she knows it's someone who does. I hope each one of us have a mother like this, because mine's pretty great. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Anybody else? Um, I just want to thank my mom for all the good advice she's given me and just Mm. the guidance in my life. I... Mm. She just adds an element that I would I would not I would really not want to be without. And 
just the advice and guidance that she gives is priceless. Amen. My mother, uh, it's hard to believe uh, a person that never had a driver's license. My mother tried a couple times to get a driver's license. The thing that I appreciate about my mom was she's always in the background. She, she never mm-hmm. trusted me to mm-hmm. She was always in the background, always waiting for us. And as I watch her approach the end of life, when I look at her, there's a grace. I can see grace in her demeanor. A person that is at peace. I love that about her. It just eludes that about her. And um, I really like that about her. And um, and, uh, there was another point that I was going to bring is um, I um, I appreciated the the many things that she's shown to me. Oh, here's what I can say. She always looked at the positive end of things. Mm. Always looked at the positive end of things. And she still does today. Mm-hmm. She, she's very little to criticize. Mm-hmm. Very slow to criticize. And if I would do that, she would check me. Mm-hmm. My mother's not here anymore, and uh, I realize what a big part of my life she was. One of the things I appreciate about my my mother, my folks, uh, there's only three of us children, but we kind of had a parade of troubled young people come through our home, and uh, my mother made a place for them and made them feel welcome and uh, and accepted and. Uh, I realize how much disruption now, I realize how much disruption that, that mm-hmm. caused to have those different people coming through. Another thing I appreciate about, appreciate about my mother, she I wanted to make sure I knew what I believed. If I said something, she would challenge me. What makes you think that? And she would, she would make me... Uh, Apologize. I mean, mm-hmm. be an apologist for what I believed to make sure I knew why I believed what I believed. Uh, the last, uh, my mother uh, never exhibited fear. Uh, one time we were sitting on the porch, screen porch, shelling peas, and lightning struck a power pole about 30 feet away. And my mother said, my, that was close. Hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, or just one, one good memory I have um, happened pretty often is in a thunderstorm like, like Marv was just talking about, we have a, 
a decent sized porch on mom and dad's house with like one of those swings on it, um, hanging from chains, you know. And almost every time a huge thunderstorm came about, mom would always take us out there and it was awesome sitting out there in a rainstorm. Um, one of the things that she still does it today, um, even living up here, she'll call me. Um, and I'll be talking about what I'm up to and she's always like, you know, Jesse, it's a gift. Um, she would always talk about how nothing I have is mine. As guys, and make sure I, yeah. I use it for that. Amen. There's someone in the back, and then they'll come, and then there's Joe in the front here. Yes, um, I'm really, 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 really grateful for my mom. I think, especially in the last year, I've realized how much she had, how hard it is to be a mother, and also mm. what an, an enabler yeah. she is for me. And she is lives very beautifully um, how to love and just keep on choosing to love and love and love and love when it's hard and how it's a choice. And I'm, she very seamlessly lives her testimony from the community, which is very beautiful there, but she also lives at home and serving us as well. And she's a home to me. Like She has an incredible amount of calm, and I'm just grateful for her life and her testimony. Amen. Joe, a mic's on the way up there. My mother always taught us to be good stewards of the resources that we had access to. Do not waste. And when you spend any time in Haiti, you learn what that means. So many people in the world are hungry and destitute for food. Another one I remember of my mother is that, I'll say it in Dutch, then I'll interpret it. She used to say, in other words, let's get to bed before the clock starts to strike ten. Could also be interpreted toes. So when it was ten o'clock, it was high time to get to bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Structure. I don't want to miss anybody, but... Uh, so your ladies are sitting here thinking, man... I don't measure up, but you do. There's Mary's and there's Martha's, and you all fill that beautiful spot uh, and that God meant you to fill. And it's just a, a beautiful picture. Remember when Elisha uh, was, he actually healed the boy then, but that they came, the, he was working with his dad, and, and he came to his dad and said, my head hurts, my head hurts. And what did he say? When it gets... To a certain point, he said what all men say, take this boy to his mom. And that's what they did. He, he said to one of the servants, take the boy to his mom because it was out of his realm. It was, uh, there's some, some hurts that they walk right by me and go to mom. Uh, even if I'm there willing to help, going for him, uh, it's that bad that they need their mom. So, God bless the moms here this morning and, uh, and uh, youth and all of us, let's honor our moms. It's a commandment. Let's honor our moms uh, while we live here on this earth. So, if you turn to Colossians chapter 3, 
swerving pretty hard here, but uh, uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing about your mothers. I was uh, riding for a little bit with uh, Marvin that lives over in the trailer that some of you has helped there. forget his last name. But I love his... We had a couple hours together and I love his down-to-earth stories and his southern draw and conversation. And he was telling me about his mom. One uh, One of the favorite quotes that I had of the week came from him. It wasn't about his mom, but we were going through... Hayward and past the construction, and he said, uh, I said, yeah, they're really tearing into this. And he said, well, I guess they got to get it did. And I just love that. Uh, that's my new, I say to Ruthie, Ruthie, we got to get this did. I, I just like the tense that he gave. But he was sharing about him and his mom. His mom, um, the night she died, he was over at her place taking care of her, and he uh, put her to bed. And she wanted to talk, and and he thought it was very unusual, and she just kept wanting to talk. And so they talked about this and that and nothing. And uh, finally, a uh, couple hours after she would normally go to bed, she said, okay, she's ready now. And he put her into bed, and that was the last in the morning when he went in to, to help her and and uh, but he said he always treasures that evening alone that they had together there where they discussed life and and things colossians 3 part of it context here is colossians 2 he paul says hey christ is the only answer And now, just as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots go down into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Not just, uh, not just, uh, giving the image of a Christian, but, uh, you're, you're letting your, your roots go down. And He says, uh, a warning against trying to go back to the Old Testament way of doing things, uh, Old Testament thoughts and, and so forth. He says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise, but they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. The last sentence in uh, Colossians 2, but they will provide no help in conquering personal uh, in conquering a person's evil desires. Colossians 3, If ye then be risen in Christ, and if you're worried about this, ladies, I'm not going down to verse 18, even though that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I'm not going that far. We'll stop just short of that in consideration. No, it's that we have plenty for that there. It's not just because it's Mother's Day. If ye then be risen in Christ, or since ye then be risen in Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. 
Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake of wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Obedience. Disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. But now... Ye put off all thing, all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as an elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which ye also are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If ye then be risen in Christ, is the thoughts that I was thinking today. Seek those things that are above. We all look for growth and we look for, we don't want to stay the same and that's especially true in our Christian life. And as I look at the, the, the teachers here and, and the first graders, uh, Tiana, Tiana and, um, Alexa, is it? And Dustin and Travis. When they went in, isn't that, isn't he in first? Trevor. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Travis. (laughs) I am so sorry. (laughs) That's, I shouldn't even try to get everybody's name right there. So when, when those four first graders started, and at the beginning of the year, what the teachers were looking for is an advancement. And now every one of those can read. And they can sit down with a book. Uh, and Tiana, Tiana sat down and said, hey, Grandpa, I can read. I said, you can. And she just read a book to me. And uh, we're looking for growth in our Christian life. And what it's saying here is, since you're a Christian... Uh, if ye then be risen in Christ. Since you're a Christian, there's some things going to change in your life. It's not going to remain like it was. There's going to be progress and there's going to be change in your life there. Uh, when somebody becomes a Christian, you expect some changes in their life. And, and it says, and he's, he's talking to us and he's, he's getting us ready and he's saying, if you are a Christian, if that's a fact, and you're a Christian, then these things will be different. These things you'll put off, and these things you'll embrace. You'll get better. It's a little bit like um, um, if 
finances. If if you say, well, we got to get to the bottom of these finances, you you say, okay, I got to spend less, and then you you improve in that there. Or if it's uh, uh, a diet uh, and you're and you're on a diet and you say, okay, here's what I got to do to eat healthier. I've got to get exercise and I've got to get a diet and I got to cut some of these things out and I've got to bring some of these things in. And uh, so, yeah, so when you're a first grader and you start the year and if you'd end the year at the same place, there would be something the matter with that there. And as he prompts us as Christians and he says it like this, if ye then be risen in Christ, uh, these are some of the things that are going to change in your life. You'll be quitting some things and you'll be starting some things. And the difference between a Christian should be obvious uh, on how we handle uh, the waitress at a restaurant and how disgruntled we become in the retail, how we get along with relationships, how we work with people in our family. Your Christian life is going to affect those things. And you're going to change from uh, from where you were, where you started. I find it interesting, Paul in the New Testament, in about four or five places, I believe it is, he comes with a list, and each case he's talking to Christians. And in each case, his list starts out with sexual sins and greed. Now, doesn't Paul know that we're Christians? Doesn't, doesn't he know that that used to be a problem back in there? Lust and struggle along that area used to be a, a problem long ago, but we're Christians here. Why would he talk about, why would he warn that these are things that we need to put off? That there, that these can't be part of our, our life going forward? Why would he warn that why would he always start his list with these kind of things? Uh, with greed or, or these kind of uh, things. I th- and as we look around, how many in your lifetime did you see shipwrecked with either immorality or greed? How many people do you know that went off the trail in one of those areas? That they're, you know, that they're, uh, and as we look at these, we all sit here, and if I'd asked you the questions after we go through these, is there any of these that you want to get stronger in? Every one of your hands would go up. All of us are at a place in our journey, and we're growing. But these things we can't have patience with. These things we have to pounce on. These things we have to look at our lives. The, you know, in our society, they say what it is, what, what's okay is two consenting adults. But God knows the harm that that has done to so many people and broken so many families. And God's way is still the standard that works. And there is nothing else that works. There's a host of problems with all the other areas and there's just nothing else that works. And he warns us, you know, don't be taken up with this thing of immorality and lust. And you know, as a young man, I'll just be candid here. Um, 
as a young man, I used to pray to God and I used to say, God, I don't understand why you made it all like this. I struggle with that and I used to say to God, you know, when I come home, I want you to tell me why men are built like men and why women are built like women. Just give me a couple clues. And, you know, I think it's these types of things that God trains us and makes us faithful and uses to make us into the person that he wants us to be. I used to pray, God, change me. And if you can't change me, change Ruthie. And I just, you know, I just didn't understand why God is, why God made man like he did. And God is wise. And the older I get, the more I see how he uses the design that he has to a beautiful pattern to bring people together. The society says, two who are willing. And God says, one man, one woman, in marriage only. That's, that's where God comes out at. And what a blessing it is. As I see the shattered and splattered homes in our society that don't have a mom and a dad, that don't have the stability that it takes, we were talking earlier about a mom fills a certain emotional need in all of us. And the dad fills another need in all of us. And, and you can, God makes, there's grace when, when the mom and the dad are not there for an accident reason or whatever, whatever reason. But, but God has a plan that works and nothing else that any other society or any other culture tries works. Mortify, get rid of it, the sexual immorality. And we were talking in our uh, Sunday school, uh, does it mean cut off your hand? Uh, how serious was Jesus? Was it hyperbole or was he saying, at the very least it means go to the extent that you have to to keep yourself out of the temptation that you know is so prevalent. It's in the Bible and it precedes every list, starts with a list because there's a, a tendency in humanity to fall in this area. And it's such a serious thing for us. Greed is the intense desire to have more or have something that we don't want and we never quite get there. We just keep going and we keep going and we keep going and we just never quite get there. And I'm not talking anybody out of a job or out of diligence or out of growing. But what I'm saying here, our mindset, the reason that we work hard is not a good reason because I just want more or I want to get ahead of somebody else. And the reason it lists Greed, our covetousness, and sexual sins is because, brothers and sisters, we're all prone to that. It can, it can, you know, we, we sit here and, and we say, well, you know, we have goals in our life and they change as we get older. If I could just get a, a Schwinn Stingray bike, bicycle, and then if I could just get my license, life would be and then if I could just 
get the right kind of car. I had it six weeks and totaled it. And then if I could just get married, and then if we could have children, or if we could pay some of the bills, or if we could just get this handled. And, and we, we always, it's just, it's just, we almost grasp it, but it's just out of our reach and we can spend our lifetime not having the peace of God in our hearts, but we can spend a lifetime chasing after something that even if we would catch it, wouldn't bring us the happiness. My Stingray bike didn't bring me the happiness that I thought it would. After a while, it was just a bike. But we can, he warns us, these are things the mindset on how you look that's going to change since you're a Christian. If ye there be risen with Christ, uh, your mindset's going to change and you're going to look at things a little different. And then he goes in another list, which he does. Anger, rage, malice, slander, uh, dirty language and lying. And he says, these are things that you need to put off. These are things that you need to get rid of. In your life. And you know, uh, some of those get pretty close to us. And when they were talking this morning, what can we do that would cause another person to, to fall? I was thinking, well, slander is something, when, when you're telling a story about somebody else that's going to, to, uh, to be damaging to somebody else, uh, I could slander somebody and then because I did somebody else could slander and that would be causing a person to fall or uh, being a stumbling block but you know let's just face it here it's so easy to slander somebody and it's so hurtful when you are the one that it's discrediting or sidelining or throwing it under the bus But he has this here because Christians sometimes have a problem with this and we can determine in our hearts, you know, it doesn't need to be that way. We can change. Uh, We can change our life. You know, you can say, that's just who I am. I'm the bulldog in this family. If anybody needs told off, I tell them off there. Well, and I can't change. Well, what about if the first graders would have told April... You know, I can't read and that's just who I am. I, I, I can't read and I'm not gonna read. I, that's just who I am. That isn't what we're looking for in a Christian life. It's true in, in our, in our physical. Yeah, our parents gave us some inclinations. And as you look at your parents and if you see a weakness in your parents, like in their eating habits, in their finances, in their relationship, uh, success, and you see that your parents have that struggle, there's a chance that you might have a struggle in that same way, in, in finances or eating. If your parents ate unhealthy, maybe maybe you have an unhealthy view of food or, or that type of thing. They give you an inclination. They give you a little bit of, there's some of that there. But you can change, because the Bible says you can change, not on your own power, but who you are in Christ and to say, well, I'm just a bulldog and that's who I am is a, that mindset you have to work with. That has to go. You have to change that there. You, that's a rebellious attitude. You have to think, 
The first thing in change is you have to realize that you need change. It's called repent, but that's a harsh word. What it means is you need to change your mind, and I like that better. But what it means is you need to repent. But you need to realize you need change before you can change something, like a diet or that type of thing, or finances, or, or anger, or slander. Uh, how refreshing would it be if we get into the habit and when somebody else starts talking bad about somebody else, we just kind of wander, all wander off and they'd be standing there alone. Sometimes I'd be standing there alone talking to myself. But how, how strong would we become as a group? You know, long after I say something negative or damaging about you, I forget it. But the person I said it to remembers it. And I think a, a, a family or a workplace or a church or a school or a mission would be so strong if we'd follow this advice here, if we'd put off and put on. And the thing that we're supposed to put on is a list of tenderhearted and so forth. Before it goes into that, the verse right before it there says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And in another uh, translation it says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, a slave or free. And uh, that, I think, really ties in with a couple of verses we had in the Sunday school time where it was saying, hey, if they're Christians, lay off of them. Quit, quit, um, quit damaging them or quit uh, undermining them. I, Twitter, uh, I saw a tweet this week that said this, there's room at the foot of the cross for you I just don't want you on my pew. There's too much truth to that. You wear your hat different than I do. There's another one that I'll kind of, and I'm trying to give you a concept of, there's another one, a t-shirt that says, Jesus loves you, but the rest of us think you're a jerk. And I think we have this attitude that if you're not like me, it says Jew or non-Jew. It says, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised. If you're in Christ, is what gives us, is what makes us brothers. Put therefore on. Our main calling is not to try to discredit others that I read in the Bible, but it says, put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, forgave us while we were yet sinners. And above all these things, put on love. So the thing that we're putting on is tender-hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And we're making allowance for one another's faults. We're forgiving those who offend us. 
exactly the same way that God forgave us. Not if they approached us right, but while we were yet sinners, he died for us there. And it, it uh, tells us to be thankful. If ye then, in closing, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and put your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. If you're a Christian, you know, you can do things right and still not do the right thing. What is your focus? What, what, what are you all about? What is it in life that you're pursuing? What would make you happy? What makes you tick? Sometimes we get kind of bogged down and life gets so frantic and we just kind of exist. And I heard a speaker lately uh, saying, every Thursday I get rid of something. I quit something. And I really like that idea. Our lives just keep palling full. And he's saying, every, I, I evaluate something in my life and I wonder if it's worth it. And whether that's a hobby or this or that. And he says, uh, every Thursday I throw something away. I like that thought. It keeps our life from getting too complex and too... Uh, but it helps us to think, what are my goals and is what I'm doing now uh, helping me achieve that goal? Uh, what am I living for? What is the bottom line? What is my mindset? Uh, there's a gentleman... Uh, Inky Johnson is his name, and he was a college football player, and he he was going to the NFL, and he was on the short list of people that would get a contract, and he was a few games away from wrapping things up, and it was kind of a, a regular tackle. He was he was going towards the end of one of the games before he actually got out of college and could be taken on. In his mind, there was just one goal. The NFL, the NFL, the NFL. And in that goal was going to answer all his questions. One of his goals was to, to sign that contract and give some money to his parents. And it was just one, 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 this was his goal. This is what he lived for. This is what he breathed. This is what, at home, he held a football and he, he was making kind of a, just a uniform tackle, not a difficult thing. And he got a wrong bump on his neck. And he went down and his buddy said, come on, shake it off. Let's go. Let's finish this. And he said, I can't. And they said, come on, get, get going. So they put him off the field and they took him in and he had broke uh, something in his back. And it made his, I believe it was his right arm, uh, totally unusable and it just shriveled up and went and it ended his career and his thought was okay everything I was living for was the NFL but as he evaluated things it all came together for him and he saw that there was so much more to life than the football and he Ask people, people say to him, I'm so sorry, uh, it just seems like you quit your, your, before, before you had a chance to, to live even. And he said, he's not sorry at all. And he lists different ones of his friends and his dad and different people that became Christian through this experience. And he says, the best thing that happened to him was that he 
broke that vertebrae or whatever it was, and he became useless in football. The best thing that happened to him in his life is what God used to bring him around. And at this point, he's a pastor, and he preaches, and he fathers the gospel, and he feels like it was because that accident. But what is your focus? What are you living for in life? And is it worth it? Are you sure that when you reached your goal, what would success look like in your life? And if you reach your goal, is it going to be worth chasing after? Let's kneel for prayer.